Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. National Signing Day. It is for us National Fantasy Football Day. Welcome. It is Wednesday, February 6th. Adam, Dave, and Heath. Jamie's going to be on a little bit of vacation, by the way. You won't hear him for a couple weeks. But we're here to hold down the fort. And we welcome you back to Fantasy Football today. If you got a question, send us an email at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Hello. Happy Hump Day, guys. Happy Hump Day. Happy, happy National Signing yeah. Day. And uh, just an official welcome to the off season for everyone listening. I, uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. You are caring about your fantasy football teams. You want to win a championship. This is where the foundation for 2019 will be laid down. Yeah, I like that. Dave, laying it down. I like that hype. I'm laying it down. I like that hype. Uh, all right, let's get into it. So today I'm going to talk about uh, six things that surprised me a little bit in 2018 and get your reactions to it. We will look at uh, free agent wide receivers and tight ends. We did quarterbacks and running backs on the previous show. And we've got news and notes about Antonio Brown, Aaron Rodgers, Todd Gurley, Derrick Henry, and more. Here's a quick stat. Not quite good enough to be the stat of the day. Or is it? I don't know. It felt better to me after I wrote it down. But here we go. Eight wide receivers had 100 or more catches in 2018. That's as many as 2016 and 17 combined. Eight receivers with 100 or more catches last year. I didn't think that was strong enough to be the stat of the day. But I kept digging. I really think that's an NFL record. Because I went all the way back to like 2001 and could not find a year with eight receivers with 100 or more catches. So I'm going to go ahead and say NFL record. That It might be. Do you remember when uh, there was some concern about wide receivers kind of dying out a little bit and that offenses were starting to spread it around a little bit too much and lean on their running backs and tight ends a little bit more and kind of take away from wide receivers being huge factors in their offense. Do you remember when we talked about that? We talked about that, you know. I think I yelled snips when we started talking about that. That was a while ago. Um, It didn't quite happen. Do you know how many wide receivers had over 1,000 yards? Twelve. 18. Ooh. Do you lot. know how many running backs ran for over 1,000 yards? Uh, seven. I believe the answer is nine. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but I remember what I, there was somebody I was researching, and, and I, Heath, I'm pointing to you at this because I think you could help me dig myself out of the teeny tiny hole that I just dug myself into. <laughs> I think it's nine. Nine 1,000-yard rushers. In 2018. So twice as many receivers had 1,000 yards. So so do we think that's something that's just going to fluctuate year after year? One year is going to be a running back year. One year is going to be a wide receiver year. Depends on who stays healthy, this and that. Well, hold on. I just want to make it clear. Last year was definitively a running back year. Running back numbers in fantasy were way up. Receiver numbers were up, too. It It was great for everything last year. But I, I don't think it's fair to say that last year was a wide receiver year and running backs just didn't do anything. They yeah, they both right. did very well in 2018. Yeah, yeah, good point. Certainly was a, a running back year. We have an influx of young running back talent that we haven't really gotten, at least in the first round of the NFL drafts, uh, at wide receiver. Like the best 
young wide receivers are probably Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyreek Hill. None of them were first-round picks. Whereas mm-hmm. Barkley, Zeke, Gurley, Fournette, McCaffrey, these guys, where did Gurley go? Like 11th? They I were, believe he was the 10th overall. Okay, they were all top 10 then. Gur- Gurley was the latest picked of that whole group because he had the knee injury. Uh, it's just kind of interesting, I guess, how those two positions have gone about, you know, uh, restocking in terms of fantasy. Right. And we haven't really seen it from the receiver position. Yeah. We're hoping to see it. You know, Calvin Ridley had a pretty good year when you take his numbers cumulatively. But from week to week, he was very, very up and down. DJ Moore should take a step forward. I'm hoping Anthony Miller takes a step forward. Gallup should take a step forward. Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis might take the biggest step forward of them all. So there, there's a lot of promise with the second-year receiver crop. Okay, so let's talk about things that surprised me in 2018. Heath, I'd like a little more chatter out of you in this segment. Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, I was surprised that Michael Thomas finishes the number eight receiver in non-PPR, number six in PPR, despite playing 16 games. Uh, Devontae Adams and Antonio Brown finished ahead of Thomas. They played only 15 games apiece. For a guy that got off to such a great start, it was, uh, I think, a disappointing finish for Michael Thomas. And he just didn't feel... Because some people are talking about, hey, maybe we'll take him as the number one wide receiver. Well, he was eighth in non-PPR, sixth in PPR. That surprised me. I think there are a couple things to this. One, the Saints, as we all know, Drew Brees, as Drew Brees owners, really stopped throwing the ball as much in the second half. And their pass percentage last year declined for the second straight year down to 51%. Now, he still had 147 targets. But the other thing with him, two things. He hasn't scored double-digit touchdowns in a season yet. And he doesn't average, like Julio averages 15 yards per catch. Juju, Antonio Brown, they're probably going to be 13, 14 yards per catch. He's been 12.4, 12, and 11.2. So his catches aren't worth quite as much. That being said, I think there's still an argument for him as the number one wide receiver in a PPR league. In non-PPR, though, it's going to be difficult for him to be number one with a low yard per reception for an elite receiver and without double-digit touchdowns. Yeah, and also we know that he's already he gets like 145 targets a year, and I believe that is the most for any wide receiver in the Drew Brees New Orleans Saints era. That they, it just seems so unlikely that. Drew Brees is going to throw to a guy 170 times, which is a ton, but that's what you're probably going to, you know. Well, he's certainly not going to do it if he throws 489 passes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're right. I guess if he throws it more, but, you know, it just just has never happened where a wide receiver's gotten that kind of target volume from uh, from Drew Brees. In fact, 145 targets is really a lot, and Thomas has done that two years in a row, right around 145. So that surprised me. I think uh, Juju Smith-Schuster having a monster season certainly surprised me. I don't know where he was in ADP, but I just looked at our, our podcast league, PPR league. He was the 21st wide receiver off the board, and he was just behind Michael Thomas. He was ninth in um, in non-PPR, eighth in PPR. So Dave, uh, yeah, I certainly was surprised. Because I know this is something you brought up in the preseason, something I certainly brought up. There has never been a number two wide receiver since Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger got going, you know, with Pittsburgh, there's never been a great number two. It's been, you know, spurts, Martavis Bryant, maybe, but not sustained like this, like what we saw from Juju Smith-Schuster. And and when we judged Juju during last preseason, and I certainly poo-pooed Juju, I I didn't think that he would be able to come close to finishing as a top twelve receiver. What ended up happening was that Le'Veon Bell didn't play. And James Conner had a decent amount of catches last season, but someone needed to pick up that slack. 
in the short area passing game. And Juju did that. And he was, I wouldn't say he was an extension of the run game. I don't think that's fair to, to say for Juju. Uh, I just I think that they just started to get him involved more in what they were doing. And the end result is, is what fantasy owners saw. He had 166 targets, averaged over 10 targets per game, 67% catch rate, over 1,400 total yards. Had a lot of games with 9, 10, 11 fantasy points, but he had a lot of, not a lot, but 1, 2, 3, 4, 4 games with over 15-plus Pretty consistent, just as consistent as Michael Thomas was last year, just as consistent as Keenan Allen. I don't think anybody's going to shy away from him. Yeah, and the thing is, he was all, probably a little bit unlucky last year. You think oh, he was yeah. unlucky? With he scored touchdowns? seven okay. touchdowns his rookie year on 79 targets. He got more than That's double fair. the targets last year and scored seven touchdowns. On a per-target basis, he caught a higher percentage of his targets than Antonio Brown. He averaged more yards per reception than Antonio Brown. And Brown had 15 touchdowns to Juju. Seven. All right, so let's just talk about it. Antonio Brown on the outs in Pittsburgh. I don't think he's going to be. I go back and forth on this. I've got him ranked like he's going to be in Pittsburgh. But then I keep seeing you know the report on Super Bowl Sunday from Jason Lacapora saying that they're farther apart. There's another report. I think it was Jason that had it that uh, the Steelers weren't getting a first-round pick for Antonio Brown. If if Juju is the number one guy, if there's no Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh, could we make the case that he could be maybe even the number uh, crazy to say the number one receiver in fantasy? That's not crazy. Top five? Who, Do Juju? we all have him ranked too low right out of the gate already? I think I have him sixth right now. Um, if if Antonio Brown's not there, it's going to be very tempting to put him in the top two or three. Yeah, and some people might say, yeah, but he they really struggled without Antonio Brown in Week 17. I mean, look what happens when Brown doesn't get the the double teams. It's not a bad point because he, he did catch a touchdown in that game. Uh, week 17 without Antonio Brown, he had five catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. That was bad. However, he played two games without Antonio Brown in 2006-17, and he had six catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown at Houston. And nine catches, 143 yards, and a touchdown against Cleveland. And I believe that was with Landry Jones at quarterback. So that means three games for Juju without Antonio Brown. He's caught a touchdown in all three. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, okay. And then one last thing on the unluckiness. He actually led the team in red zone targets and targets inside the 10-yard line. So um, he was second in the NFL in red zone targets, fourth in targets inside the 10-yard line for Juju, and he only had... Seven touchdowns. My favorite Juju stat is that he had a 97-yard touchdown reception in each of his first two years. Ooh, that is actually pretty cool. Uh, all right. Next thing that surprised me. Same team. James Conner was a stud. Let's let's go back in time and pretend that, that Le'Veon Bell, we knew he was going to be out for the year. And we knew James Conner was going to be the running back. Let's say we didn't know exactly what the workload was, but... Where would you have taken James Conner? Because when he was healthy, first 13 weeks of the season, he was the number eight running back in non-PPR, number six in PPR. But, you know, that may sound low, but, that, I mean, that was, like, right in there with Zeke and Gordon and Kamara. It was a top eight that was just terrific. And then I think after that it was, like, Philip Lindsay, which was very good but not quite that level. Where do you think you would have taken James Conner? I don't know that anybody could have expected him to put up the fantasy production that he did. Without Le'Veon Bell, like knowing that Le'Veon Bell wasn't going to play, yeah. I think I would have 
recommended taking him. Goodness, probably no later than round three, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think two. Right. But right, where yeah. in round two? Like I'm I'm not looking for him in top fifteen. I know it sounds so stupid you to mean, say. You mean right but now I'm for being, next I'm year? being completely honest. No. For, oh, he's a first round pick next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're talking about where right. we would have taken him this year. Probably eighteen. I, I think we would have ended up taking him after then. I really do. I think there would have been a lot of other receivers that we say, well, they're safer. James Conner's good, not great. We didn't I don't know if we would have bought into him thriving to Le'Veon Bell like levels. He definitely he 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 blew expectations away. I know that he was a great running back at Pitt. I didn't think he was capable of doing what he did this year. And I love that the Steelers fed him. They gave him a ton of work, 215 carries, 55 catches, almost 1,500 total yards, and all those touchdowns. And he's going to be the main guy there this year. That's why we're taking him with a first-round back. Yeah. Do, do you make anything of the fact that he most of his production was against terrible teams? Uh, he only had, I'd say, one good game against a good team. That was against the Ravens. It was kind of strange. When he had a tough matchup, he barely got any work. He had five out of 13 games. He had five games with 19 or more carries, and he was a monster in all five of those games. James Conner, we're talking about 21 or more fantasy points in non-PPR, 28 or more in PPR in each of those five games. In his other eight games, he had 15 or fewer carries and, you know, just didn't didn't really produce that much. Does that matter at all? I'm not concerned about him at all. All right. Uh, are you concerned about how defenses will play the Steelers if Antonio Brown isn't there? No. I would be. I think that that could be a factor that we could overlook a little bit. Not that, you know, on a, on a typical running play, first and 10, that offensive line is good enough to move defenders and give Connor opportunities to make plays. But I, I just think when it's a third and short type of play, or really second down, almost any second down, It'll it'll be a different look if they don't have that dangerous outside threat that Antonio Brown offers. All right, the next surprise for me was that Alvin Kamara was second in the NFL in rushing touchdowns. He had 14 of them. Uh, yeah, so that was with Mark Ingram missing four games. But Kamara with 14 rushing touchdowns, a big jump from his previous season. Uh, what did he have in this rookie year? He had, I think, seven Rushing touchdowns. He had eight, eight, eight rushing touchdowns and five receiving. Yeah, as and a rookie. this year he had four receiving. But okay, Alvin Kamara finished as the number four running back in fantasy. Is he a top four running back going into 2019? I feel safe for calling him a top five. Splitting hairs, really close. But I think that's where he is. And do you remember when we talked about how it would be unlikely for him to replicate his rushing and receiving averages? Yep. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Remember? He didn't. But do you remember what we predicted? You and I, especially Heath, did a lot of this, predicting what his new rushing and receiving average Yeah, I think he was actually maybe a, a step below what I projected for last year. We put, he, he finished at 4.6. I think we suggested a 4.8 rushing average. And I think we were right around 8 yards per catch. I think I was and at was 9, but yeah, he was 8.8. 8.8, so right in between there. The touchdowns were vital for him. Do you think he can score 18 times again next year? No, I would I would predict 13. But I think that the rushing and receiving yards are probably going to be right in line. So another 1,500 yards 15, and 13. 15 touchdowns. Okay. Let's That's split the difference, Heath, and call it 14. 1,500 total yards, 14 touchdowns. That's what you're 
expecting with Alvin Kamara? Yeah, I would actually, I mean, it's going to depend a lot on whether they bring back Mark Ingram or they bring back somebody like Mark Ingram because he was a, a different animal those first four weeks than he was the rest of the year. Those first four weeks, he was the best player in fantasy football. No, he was not. Okay. He, he was basically the best Todd player. Todd Gurley, that's, Todd, I'll tell you what he was. He was number one. He was in PPR, he was. He was okay, uh, so he was. In non PPR, he was not as good as um, Gurley. That's but it. he was still pretty dang good. I'm. I can give you the seven numbers. Total touchdowns. Here, here we go. I, I broke it down. I broke it down a lot of things here. With he had now. at least 99 total yards in every game. I can do it, Dave. Weeks one through four. <laughs> number two running back in non PPR, number one in PPR. He averaged 14 carries per game. He had 47 targets in four games, including 20 targets. No, they have 47 targets? Yeah. Okay, 20 targets in one game. Weeks 5 through 16, I did not include week 17. He did not play. He was the number 5 running back in fantasy, both non-PPR and PPR. He averaged 12.5 carries per game, uh, one and a half fewer. Now, another thing I looked at with Kamara, he was second in the NFL in red zone carries. He was sixth in the NFL in red zone targets. And he was second in the NFL in carries inside the 10, fourth in carries inside the five-yard line. But there is a pretty big difference in Alvin Kamara's carries from five yards out or closer before Ingram and with Ingram. Before Ingram, he had five carries from five yards out or closer in four games. Um, And... Well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe there wasn't that much of a difference. A little bit. Okay, five carries in four games compared to 10, 10 carries in 11 games. So not that much of a difference, I guess. Just just listen to this. His 16-game pace without Mark Ingram last year, 2,444 yards, 24 touchdowns. Really? Without Mark? That's, oh, without Mark Ingram. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. 2,444 <laughs> yards, 24 <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. Now that he's not going to do that again, but it it dropped considerably after those first four weeks. Um, I think you have to assume they have somebody else there. It might not be Ingram. Well, I think it matters the quality of that person. Is it somebody that's going to take eight touches per week, or is it somebody that's going to okay. take twelve? So figure that the role will be the same. So. I think eight might be a little low, 10, 12, the occasional 14 carry game. But it's going to be some sort of a physical change of pace type of back, not like Kamara, a lot like Ingram. And it might be Ingram. Okay, let's do one more thing that surprised me. I was going to do six. I'll change it to five. I was surprised that Trey Burton was so bad. And he was the number six tight end in non-PPR, number eight in PPR. But there were only five good tight ends last year. Um, in his last eight regular season games, Trey Burton did not have more than 40 yards in any game, and he had one touchdown. He was inactive in the one postseason game. But uh, he was a pretty big disappointment. And Heath, I think you were the only one that wasn't like super jazzed about Trey Burton going into the season. So, uh, looks, yep, nice work. Yay! <laughs> no, I, I don't like, I don't even know what to make of Trey Burton, really, because he wasn't good at all, but he wasn't that far from where he was drafted amongst the tight ends where he finished. And um, I think he's probably going to be a top 12 tight end again this year. Like I, I do think there's a little bit of the Eric Ebron maybe going on with him. Of We had some so much higher expectations that we're going to act like his production was even worse than it was. 
in PPR, he had six games with at least nine fantasy points in his first eight. So the first half of his season, he was just fine. Fantasy owners would have been very happy with him. And then something happened in the second half of the season where I don't know if he got hurt. I don't know if it was an anxiety issue. Something went down, and it it kind of took him out of this big part of the offense in Chicago. Well, I don't know. Maybe Trubisky's injury just kind of derailed the offense. They were 21st in passing. They weren't very good, but I also think, and we talked about this a lot during the season, they spread the ball around so much, including red zone targets. He, uh, Trey Burton was tied with Tariq Cohen for most red zone targets and most targets inside the 10-yard line, but there wasn't a lot of separation between those guys, who both the non-wide receivers and Robinson, Gabriel, uh, Miller. So a lot of things, I think, worked against him. I, I do think that you look at that number, 21st in passing, and you you would expect the Bears to be better than that next year if Trubisky what, what, takes another step. Ha, what metric are you using for passing? Yards. Yeah, I don't know that I would. It's like their defense is was the best in the NFL. That's yeah, true. But I, I just feel like Trubisky was, was getting there. Then the injury sort of stopped him. I have to look further into his stats. I'm kind of talking off the top of my head. And Trey Burton had like in the two games that Trubisky didn't play, did Trey Burton have a catch? Because he had 50 catches for 541 and six touchdowns in the 14 games with Trubisky. He had four catches for 28 yards at Detroit and no catches at the Giants. So, like, his stats look a lot better if you just add two games of production with Trubisky. Not really, though, because, I mean, (laughs) like I said, his last eight games— uh, maybe even more than that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Last ten games, he didn't have more than forty yards. So, all right. No, he he definitely saw fewer targets. He only had two games with seven targets in the back half of the season. He was never really a big target guy. No, generally, he had speaking. one game all year with more than seven targets. Yeah. So, so he just seemed to be a touchdown or bust tight end. A tight end. With some potential to get some good yardage, uh, the the game against New England, he we were expecting games like that far more frequently. All right, let's do some news and notes here. Uh, Antonio Brown was involved in a domestic dispute in Hollywood, Florida, in January. He was not arrested. Do we have a reaction to this, or is it t- too soon? I don't know if there's any reason for a reaction. It's just another bad story for Antonio Brown, and maybe. S- Steelers are just like, we're tired of it, dude. But we'll see. Two players will not need surgery, Aaron Rodgers and Todd Gurley. Do we have a reaction to that? It's good. Surgery isn't... Avoiding surgery is good. Is Aaron Rodgers still... Hashtag analysis. Is Aaron Rodgers still elite? Yeah. He, he, needs, he needs some good route runners, though. He does need better players around him, for sure. Um, his yards per attempt his last four seasons has been between 6.7 and 7.4. Yeah, uh, that's it's really troubling. I think we're going to find out this year if Aaron Rodgers is still elite, if it was Mike McCarthy's problem. If he averages 7.2 yards per attempt this year, then the answer is probably no. Yeah, the, the numbers have taken a dip, and I think we've had excuses for him in the past, and Hey, they're valid excuses. No Jordy Nelson one year, knee injury all season this year. Uh, but we'll see. It might just be we're kind of in denial. 
Um, Tennessee offensive coordinator Arthur Smith said Derrick Henry will be a big part of the offense. Reaction? Uh, he's smart. That's what he's going to do, is lean on the guy that finished last season strong. I think he'd look goofy if he stood up in front of the media in Nashville and said, we're going all in on Deion Lewis. <laughs> um, uh, to, to me, what, what stands out is that Arthur Smith is a first-time play caller jumping right in cannonball style into the NFL waters with a playbook that isn't his. He's keeping Matt LaFleur's playbook. He's keeping the verbiage the same. He's going to pick up the playbook and learn it. That typically has not gone well for play callers in the history of the NFL. Well, that is interesting. Well, then what do you make of Zach Taylor, Cincinnati's head coach, who's going to be calling plays for the first time? I think the Titans and the Bengals are a pair of teams where we're going to go in a little bit blind this year. I do agree that we've got signs that uh, Smith wants to – I mean, his dad was even talking about it in some interview – really wants to get back to the run game and the offensive line. Uh, Taylor, I I don't – I really struggle with what the Bengals are going to look like exactly this year. They have great weapons. If you can get good Andy, then they could be a good offense again. I got a pretty good – uh, feeling on Zach Taylor. He's a West Coast offense guy. This this team has been in West Coast systems for as long as Andy Dalton's been there. Dalton was lauded as a West Coast quarterback, which is a nice way of saying that he doesn't have a cannon for an arm uh, yeah. ever since he was drafted. And I think they'll probably be a little more aggressive than they have been. The, when they were under Bill Lazor, I just don't think the aggressiveness was there. With Jay Gruden, it was. I think they'll get back to that point. The track record, I, I've done all the research on Zach Taylor, and he's only, you know, he's called plays for five NFL games and 12 college games. Lots of slot receiver work. Yeah, I think it this hurt. is very good for Tyler Boyd. I think it could hurt AJ Green's target share. I, I, I don't think it hurts them. I think both of them are going to get a ton. But I do think that this, I think Tyler Boyd will be more than a one year, I, I don't think it'll be a flash in the pan. I agree with Not you. a one year wonder. And I think it's going to be good for Joe Mixon. I think Mixon is going to get roughly 20% of the catches for the team. And he's going to get a lot of carries from week to week because he doesn't look like the type of running back that needs to share very much. Andy Taylor's Dalton. going to ride him. They need to do, they need to do better with the offensive line. Yeah, well, a lot of teams can say that for sure. Andy Dalton was the number 10 quarterback in six point per passing touchdown leagues in eight games with AJ Green. Uh, I'm just trying to check one thing where he ranked on a per-game basis, because I do feel like he didn't have a bye week, and that may have contributed to that. And yeah, I I think he's probably closer to 16 or so when you do per-game basis. Uh, but he's usable. I mean, he was certainly usable. Uh, okay, Philadelphia expected to put the franchise tag on Nick Foles and then try to trade him. And the Redskins have had preliminary talks with Adrian Peterson, according to ESPN's John Kime. That we'll keep an eye on that situation as we are hoping it's all systems go for Darius Geis in the Redskins backfield. We got an email to read at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com, email of the day, then a free agency preview of wide receivers and tight ends right after this. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, 
ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Here's our email of the day. Again, it's fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It comes from Paul. Paul is from the most western city in Broward County. Wouldn't that be Weston? I don't know. You think so? It's called Weston. I'm pretty sure it's Weston. All right. You were hoping it was Coral Springs, weren't you? No, I know it's not Coral Springs. Oh, uh, well, no, it's not. Yeah, I guess Weston's a little bit west of that. Uh, okay, anyway. Dear Ricky, Ronnie, Lamar, and Travis. Those feel like Dolphins running backs. Those are... Who's Travis? Ricky, Ronnie, and Lamar are Dolphins running backs. Did they have a Travis running back? Not Travis that. Henry, I don't think, was ever with think the Dolphins. So. I don't know who these people are. Okay, rank the five worst teams in terms of offensive fantasy players in the upcoming season, teams that the fewest players uh, you're excited about. My bottom five is Dolphins, Bills, Raiders, Redskins, Broncos, Jaguars. He gave us six, and he put number three twice. Dolphins, Bills, Raiders, Redskins, Broncos, Jaguars. Uh, who Who do you guys think are the worst teams in football for fantasy purposes? Dolphins are going to be up there. I Dolphins would agree with the Raiders and the Redskins. Those those are three for sure. Which ones? Dolphins, Raiders, Redskins. I'm not so sure about the Raiders. What 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 <laughs> what what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think the Raiders, if they uh, if they get, get all get new a players, good running back going, and they <laughs> add another receiver, I think they'll be interesting. Okay. I don't think I, I'm I not going to go as far. They might be bottom. Eight. If not the Raiders add a good wide receiver and a good running back. <laughs> And a good tight end and a good quarterback. I think they might not be bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a I'm good sorry, point. Dave, I was a jerk. I, I, it's okay. The Raiders don't have any good players. I'm anticipating the Raiders making the – not that the Dolphins are just going to sit there and do nothing. But everything we hear about the Dolphins is that they're going to punt on 2019 because they want to load up on – getting good draft picks in 2020. They like the quarterback class in 2020. They're uh, they're not going to take this year as seriously as they might previous years. That seems kind of weird to think about in football because teams don't really tank in the NFL. Not the Raiders this, just obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's they not. Should. It's it's like they the Dolphins have been between ten and six and six and ten for like eight straight seasons. Uh, they are mired at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten straight seasons. Wow! Between ten and six, and six and ten. Yeah, I saw that on ESPN, um, confirming it now. That so you just—that's like the worst place to be. You know, never good enough to win anything. Uh, 
one playoff berth in that stretch and um, never good enough to have an elite pick, never bad enough to have an elite pick. So they're probably going to draft a rookie quarterback and maybe play him and just be horrible, and they need to do that. Uh, the Raiders at least will have a better quarterback than the Dolphins. The Bills, yeah, I don't think we maybe. agree with at all. Like the Bills, Josh Allen will be exciting, and then I think Zay Jones has a chance to be exciting. And I, Foster, I think, maybe. Then get a new face in running back. At running back, we might be excited about sure, that. Sure, but I, I think the Bills qualify because there probably won't be many of them drafted. They'll be bad still. Um, I think the Titans are a sneaky team. A sneaky bad team? It's a very sneaky bad team. Well, you know Derrick Henry will get picked. Corey Davis will get picked. Right, but I think they could be busts. But that might be it. You know, the, uh, Deion Lewis will get taken late. Yeah, but they might be just be busts. Well, what if Delaney, Delaney Walker's Walker. back? Delaney will get taken late, too. Yeah. Washington, I think, could be in a lot of trouble. Washington could be, yeah, truly awful. Uh, well, then, that's why there's free agency. So let's take a look at the uh, some of the in, uh, what's the intriguing? Yeah, interesting. Guys who are free agents. Influential. I'm going to any word that starts with I-N. Guy, free agent wide receivers. All right. Who's the free agent wide receiver that you think would have the biggest impact on a new team next year? Whether that's making that team better, making himself better, making a quarterback better. Who's the big free agent wide receiver? Are we including restricted free agents? Yeah, sure. Robbie Anderson, which kind of tells you about the free agent class. More than Golden Tate? More than Golden Tate. I think it's whoever... I expect Robbie Anderson's going to stay with the Jets. Maybe he won't. Um, I think it's whoever signs with the Patriots. He'll get the first-round tender, and he'll stay with the Jets. Um, and l- The Jets could be stupid and try and tender him lower than that, and then I think teams will come forward. Then I think we should only count restricted free agents that are going to change teams. We don't know for sure that the Jets are going to be smart. Um, I, I think there are multiple receivers who, if they land in the right spot, could have an impact. Uh, Tyrell Williams... If you just look at his per target numbers, looks like a guy who should get a lot more targets. And if he goes to a situation with a lot of opportunity, he could be a big surprise. Golden Tate has obviously had huge success in the past. Um, okay, so two. Well, what about John Brown? I, I feel like he could be fantasy relevant. I, you know, Lamar yeah, Jackson. Yeah, but we, we do the stance with John Brown every but, year. But he so. was, he got off to a great start. Lamar Jackson destroyed John Brown. Maybe. The thing that stands out to me about Tyrell Williams is in 2016, he played a lot without many other mouths to feed in that Chargers offense. He had seven touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. And since then, he's gotten about half as many targets per year. And that's because he's had to share so much. I think he could be an impact player for a new team. So how are we feeling about Geronimo Allison, uh, specifically if he is re-signed by the Packers? I think I think that's one where the Packers can probably get away with a second-round tender, and no one will come trying to sign Allison away and give up a second-round pick for him. Yeah, he was really good first four games. I mean, yep, he'll stay with Green Bay. Sixty-four to eighty yards in in all four games and two touchdowns, and he had eight, six, four, and eleven targets in those four games. I mean. Is he going to win you your league? I Probably not, but that's certainly a guy worth rostering and starting in some weeks. Geronimo Allison. It is not a great year for free agent wide receivers, no question. No, there's, there's a bunch of receivers that could be cap casualties that fantasy owners know but aren't going to necessarily be like round five or better picks. Okay, how about tight ends? Tight ends, Jared Cook, cream of the crop. 
Yes. So is he restricted or he's unrestricted? He is unrestricted. He is a 32-year-old unrestricted free agent. <laughs> and Cook was the number five tight end in fantasy. He had 896 yards and six touchdowns on 68 catches in 16 I would be, games. I would be floored if another team paid him as much as what the Raiders could end up paying him. If he goes, if Jared Cook like, goes to the Packers or the Saints, what kind of an impact would that have on your rankings? Well, he's been with the Packers before, and it wasn't great. It was good. Let's see those. But numbers. it wasn't great. Let's see. And Matt Lafleur doesn't exactly have a long history of utilizing his tight end. Matt Lafleur doesn't really have a long history. He doesn't have a lot of his, a lot of um, even experience being on teams with good tight ends or valuing them. You know who's who's got a long history? Jared Cook. And it ain't pretty. Oh, he'll be a top six or seven tight end next year as long as he lands in one of those places. I, I, he's got to stay in Oakland, and I think Oakland's got the cap space and the, the need and the want to keep him and give him, goodness, it could be like six or seven million dollars a year, something that everyone's going to look at and go, ugh, really? But I don't think there's another team out there that would overspend to uh, get Jared Cook on their roster. Jared Cook spent one year in Green Bay. It was 2016. He caught 30 passes in 10 games, 377 yards, and a touchdown, 51 targets. So he stunk. I oversold it. Yeah, he was bad. But he had 101 targets last year. It was a career high, so he had a career season. Uh, that's, that's definitely part of it. So I don't – I was going to say I don't see myself drafting Jared Cook, but if everybody feels that way and he keeps falling, then maybe I would draft Jared you Cook. Get, okay, you're in the eighth round. And you are trying to decide between Jared Cook and Trey Burton. Uh, <laughs> where's Cook on the Raiders? I'm going with Cook all day long. I think I'm gonna. G- <laughs> I guess Burton. I'm drafting Cook, hoping that he can have at least one or two decent games to begin the year, so I don't have to dump him for someone else off the waiver wire. Okay, well, that's... that's Which is what I'm... Listen, I'm going to do that with just about any tight end. Yeah, sure, exactly. Any tight end that I don't take with, like, a pick in my first six rounds. But see, the problem with that with Jared Cook is if you wait for his bad game and dump him, the good one's coming. That's true. Yeah, but is he, is he going to have three good games all year and I'm just going to start him every week blindly or am I going to try and improve on... You know, the crap that he shovels into my lineup week in and week out. The nice thing about Jared Cook last season is that when he was good, he was very good. As far as consistency goes, he finished top 10 at the position, and he had one, two, three, four, five games with 11 or more fantasy points in non-PPR. That's good for a tight end. Yeah. Uh, Other tight end would be Tyler Eifert. He has 21 touchdown catches in 43 career games over six seasons. So, no. no thanks? No. He's a free agent. No yes. guarantee he's going to stay in Cincinnati. And tight ends were not a part of the play calling for Zach Taylor in the sample that we have. Miami, Cincinnati. I'm sure that he would use if – he, if he fell into a very good tight end, I'm sure he'd find a way to use him. But my guess is that Tyler Eifert would go back to being touchdown or bust if he returned to the Bengals. I'd take a shot on him if he went to the Saints. Oh, yeah, sure. 
And then as soon as he takes a shot, he's out for eight games. They've got Dan Arnold. They don't need him. <laughs> okay, let's uh, read some emails. FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. This is from Cody. Dear Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Keith. Misspelled Jamie. 12-team full PPR league. Everyone keeps one player for the round they were drafted at the previous year. We have to select our keeper before we know the draft order. Should I keep Saquon Barkley in the first round or Nick Chubb in the 13th round? PPR. Chubb. Hmm. I would lean toward Chubb. All right. Josh from a town in the Northeast. Hey, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Where's he from, by the way? He's from Augusta, Maine. Do you guys uh, are you too old to appreciate the the DuckTales theme song? It's arguably the, one of the it's arguably the greatest TV theme song ever. Obviously not. We know all about it. Okay, it's very good. Two questions, one com- one conceptual and one personal. What's your take on trading in dynasty leagues prior to the NFL draft? No problem. It's part of the fun of being in a dynasty league. Yeah, I th- I understand why he's hesitant, but I I don't mind it. Yeah, I don't honestly do a lot of it. And would you trade Ronald Jones for Kiki QT and the twenty sixth overall pick in the two thousand nineteen rookie draft? Give up Ronald Jones, get Kiki QT and the twenty sixth pick in next year's rookie draft. Half PPR dynasty. I would be surprised if Ronald Jones became the feature back in Tampa Bay. New coaching staff that didn't draft him last year. They will want to bring in their own type of running back. The type of running back that Bruce Arians likes is bigger than Ronald Jones. I think you cut your losses and, yeah. and you trade Jones as away. quick as possible. Like pause the podcast. You can listen to the rest later and accept <laughs> the trade. <laughs> okay. This is uh, welcome back, Josh, from your, from your trade. Good job from Garrett half PPR dynasty league. I was hoping to find a good deal for Kareem Hunt. Who would you offer for Hunt? My players worth trading are Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Marlon Mack, Tariq Cohen, Damian Williams, T.Y. Hilton, Tyler Boyd, Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen. Or would you rather just avoid the whole situation with Kareem Hunt? I would trade Tariq Cohen for him. I would. You wouldn't trade Damian Williams for him? Yeah, I probably. I'm. I'm down on Hunt. Is Hunt going to be as good with a different team? No. Is Hunt going to play right away, or will he have to be suspended first? He was suspended. Uh, how much? Suspended. How longer will we have to wait for him to be a feature back in the NFL? Potentially the rest of his career, right? It's a dynasty league, though. I'm not giving up. Oh, his career? Oh. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if Kareem Hunt's ever going to be what he has been. Okay. Giving so up Tariq Cohen it? might be like the max of what I'd give for him, and I'd give up Damian Williams too. I'm not. I know that Damian Williams' shelf life might not be very long. I'm not ready to give him up. He's got a job, and it's in a good system. All right, this is from Kyle in Austin. Hey, Bob, Alex, and Pat. Those are game show hosts. They are. Who's Bob? Barker. Oh. Knucklehead. I was thinking Bob Saget, America's Funniest Home Videos. That is that a game show? <laughs> yeah. I mean, people compete. You do win prizes. That's right. Cash prizes. Pat Sajak, great guy. Doesn't play fantasy football, by the way. Um, I was watching the 30 for 30 on Deion Sanders. Did you guys see that by any chance? I did not. No. Pat O'Brien was on it. 
and I'm not sure if you remember this, I, I did not at all. When the Braves were in the World Series and Dion was going back and forth to the Falcons and Braves, Pat O'Brien like got these exclusive interviews with him. He was working for CBS at the time. And to hear Pat O'Brien describe himself was very funny. If anybody watched the 30 for 30, I was watching some of it. It was pretty good. I'd like to catch the rest of it. But um, I don't know. That just came to mind. Uh, I recommend it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay, so I have some keeper possibilities, and I'm curious, keeper value aside, which starting lineup would you choose? Uh, all right, half PPR. Pick a starting lineup. Starting lineup. Okay, they all have Alvin Kamara, so I'm not. Gonna I think we should do this on like a, a one versus one, and then move on to one versus one. Because if you give me all five okay. of them at once, I'm not going to be able to set, separate it out. Okay, the first one again. They all have Kamara, so I'm not even going to include him. Hopkins, Ertz, and Hill. Hopkins, Ertz, and Hill versus Chubb, Ertz, and Hilton. So it's Hopkins and Hill versus Chubb and Hilton. And we knowing that we have Alvin Kamara on our team. Yeah. I'm going to go Hopkins and Hill. I am too. Okay, so Kamara, Hopkins, Ertz, and Hill, or Kamara, Hopkins, Ertz, and Chubb. I'm going to go Chubb. Yeah. Hopkins and Chubb. Kamara, Hopkins, Ertz, and Chubb, or Kamara, Chubb, Evans, and Hilton? Hopkins, Chubb, Ertz. Hopkins, Chubb, Ertz. I feel like you would have been a good optometrist, Adam. (laughs) Which one do you like better? One or two? I've only been to the eye doctor once in my life, and I loved it. It was so calming, like in a dark room, like playing games, seeing how good your eyesight is. That was just like two years ago. I had a great time. In fact, I you never make, went to the eye doctor. I want to make another appointment. Child? No, I no. don't think so. What kind of parents did no, you? I went don't, to the, you don't go to the if you don't have if you have yeah. perfect vision, you just get an eye. You exam know what? And, school every year. and yeah, I'm yeah. you know coming from the perspective of someone that doesn't have perfect vision and had to go to the eye doctor all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did the the pediatrician right because you the eye test. Okay, we've gone off the rails. We are done for the day and for the week. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll come back with two episodes next week. Make sure you start listening to Fantasy Baseball today. We are having a lot of fun. We are getting ready for our Fantasy Baseball drafts. If you don't play Fantasy Baseball, give it a shot. You're like, no, it's too much work. Well, listen, you can play in weekly leagues. Set your lineup once. Okay, it's really easy. It's a great way to get into it. You play in a points league, just like football. Fantasy Baseball Today is our show. This is Fantasy Football Today. I'm Adam. He's Dave. He's Heath. Na, 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 na.